American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Greetings to all you Toffees out there. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by my co-host, Alex. I am here, excited as ever, James. It is an unbelievably exciting day as Everton were victorious on the opening day of the season against Spurs away, winning 1-0 on the back of a Dominic Calvert-Lewin bullet header. Everton's first away win against the top six side since 2013. Seven years. Wow. That match was against Manchester United at Old Trafford and Brian Oviedo scored that winner. A distant memory for some. Some may not even have been fans at that time, so... Long, long awaited, and also Everton's first away win at Spurs, specifically since 2008. A statement win that can hopefully only bode well for the rest of the season, as it is Carlo's, Carlo Ancelotti's first season in full season in charge. Alex, let's just kick things off right now. Instant reaction to the win. My instant match reaction to the win is that I'm absolutely stoked. The most important part about this win is the fact that we started the season off with a win away at Spurs. As you mentioned, our terrible away form over the last few years, especially, well, a little more than a few, right? Especially against um, the, the better sides in the league. And so it's important for our confidence. It's important to see that our players looked like they were kind of enjoying being out there and enjoyed the win. And I'm excited to see how we progress. What about you? Yeah, me too. I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head. And I was listening to uh, our friend David Hughes talk about the the importance of this game as a pre-match uh, on his, his show, uh, Analyzing Everton. And he made a really good point that winning this match would be absolutely massive for the team's confidence. You get the monkey off of your back right out of the gates, and you have the confidence to then go into the rest of the season knowing that you can compete and beat any team in this league. And I think it's absolutely massive that we've done just that on the first match of the season. And in such a convincing way too, when you take all of the the shortcomings of the squad over the last few years, and all of a sudden you take out the heart of midfield and essentially input an entirely new engine in the form of the new signings, what a difference it made. It was night and day. We commanded the ball. We looked very comfortable in possession, having Spurs run themselves ragged all over the pitch, looking like they had no clue really what to do. And, and we just looked so comfortable and, and more, more important than the win itself, I think was, was so, was how convincing we looked in, in the win. And there was no real point after we took the lead that Spurs were, were really able to, to threaten us or put us on the back foot. So that's, I guess my instant reaction, but, but let's pivot here and talk about 1030 AM Eastern Standard Time lineup drops. And this is when the party kind of started, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, that's when I tweeted an expletive, right? Um, in all caps specifically. And that's just because, you know, I would have bet on two out of the three new signings starting today, simply because, you know, they, they all came in around the same time, barely a week ago or so. They haven't had a whole lot of time to train or get used to the system, whatever the system might be moving forward. But I was extremely excited to see all three of them start. I thought that Andre Gomez was a, a really interesting choice for central midfield to pair with Ducore and Allen, our new looks kind of central midfield. Otherwise, I thought it was it was a pretty expected lineup. And 
I thought it gave us the best chance currently to get a result, which was obviously proven correct. What about you? Yeah, it was, you know, I think if Sigurdsson had been in that starting lineup graphic, the fume would have been over the top. But, and honestly, I think that that's partially bred by managers in the past really being patient with new signings and giving them time to get with the team in training, to acclimate to their to their surroundings. But Carlo Ancelotti in his post-match press conference said, essentially, you know, if you're good enough, you can just play your game and you don't have to worry about that. And I think with the signings that we've made, they are all of that quality that you can just pick and play, drop them right into the side, and they made an immediate difference. And we saw that pay dividends today. I think it's really important for them to get this under their belt, get that that cohesion, those links, that understanding between players to start to build. And when I saw that all through starting, I mean, like you said, it was a little... I honestly probably would have also picked Andre Gomez as kind of the additional midfielder versus like Tom Davies or Gilfie Sigurdsson. And we saw as the match progressed that 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 setup really kind of worked really well. But my instant reaction to the lineup, like everyone else was, over the moon, can't wait. As if I couldn't be anticipating this match anymore, I then was. And when kick up kick kickoff loomed closer and closer, I just was was brimming with excitement. So so much looking forward to, to seeing how the team would look with the new engine in midfield. Right. And so it kicks off. And to be honest, in the first portion of the match, we looked like we were pretty much in control, right? I mean, we were misplacing passes, but we were controlling possession for the most part in that first quarter. And I think that that's not necessarily something to worry about because it's very obvious, obvious that our players are not necessarily used to playing with each other in those positions. It's only been a week for a handful of them, right? And so it was very, very promising to see that nice start, especially since I feel like over the last couple of years, Everton have not been a team that starts fast. No, and, and you could tell there was a little bit of that feeling out process between both teams. And, and typically, of course, a Jose Mourinho side tends to sit back. They just tend to try to soak up pressure and hit teams on the counter. But they couldn't even get a sniff of the ball because of the way that our midfielders were were making passing triangles, giving each other options. And we've seen so many times last season when the midfield has the ball and they're looking for places to go more often than not, the only option is, is backwards. In this case, you had a lot of really nice short passes between like Allen, between Ducore, James getting involved. And they, they just consistently had options and oftentimes short to just when, when Spurs were trying to press, it would, just make that little tiny ball movement to make their ability to pressure us much more difficult. And we look so comfortable uh, moving the ball. It was a lot of side to side, to be fair, and, and some backwards, but it, it always seemed like there was a purpose to it. And we were looking for ways to break them down, looking to make them run with intent. And just the way that the, the fluidity of the midfield came together, I saw, you know, we did, like, as you said, a, a four, it was kind of a four, one, four, one with, with Allen sitting distinctly deeper than the others and the others having uh, more more freedom to go forward, to, to change position, to overlap, to switch sides, do all those sorts of things. And it made it really difficult for Spurs to really even uh, come to grips with exactly what was unfolding before them. Right. And, you know, in this system, you know, as you said, we were playing a lot of side to side and there was some backwards. Right. And, and that just happens with retaining possession. But but one of the interesting things, well, a we saw a lot of big switches Thomas Rodriguez, that seemed like uh, one of his key moments in this match, right? He's just constant switch, right? Cutting on the left-hand side, switch. But we saw our center backs taking responsibility a lot, I feel like. We saw our midfielders 
moving quite a bit to give them options. And I felt like we were breaking the press really, really well. Like to dream of breaking a press like that uh, about two months ago would have been absolutely, you know, insane. And so that alone was exciting to see that we were confident enough to start breaking the press to move the ball around. And also, if you just take it into perspective, right, if we look at last season, we were playing this rigid 4-4-2 because we essentially couldn't do much with the ball at all. And we knew that our defense was lacking. And so we needed to kind of shore it up, keep it tight and stay compact. We did that really well again today, but we saw so much that the team looked so much more lively. And I think that it's, it's, it's really exciting to, to watch how they built upon it into the match, right? Because we started off with a good amount of possession. There were some, you know, loose passes in the first quarter. But then we allowed Spurs, after they measured us up, we allowed them to kind of get into the match. And they started to have a little more possession. We saw that we were holding a higher line. And that's when things, specifically with a ball from, from Sun to Harry Kane in the back post, you know, fizzed by. And Jordan Pickford was kind of rooted. And that's when I think warning st- signs started to shoot off, in my mind at least, that, hey, Richarlison just missed this big chance. Now Spurs are coming to this match. And it only takes one second for him to punish us. Yeah, that's sitter from Richarlison. I mean, he'll be having nightmares about that. But all in all, a very solid game for him. So clearly he was able to put it out of his mind. But but to your point, yeah, the first quarter was completely dominant. Spurs definitely kind of got a, a kick in the behind from Jose Mourinho and started to really look to play the ball a little bit longer, look to get in behind our defense. I thought Seamus Coleman did a magnificent job today on the defensive side of the ball, matching up with, with Son, who we know is a really dangerous player with the ball at his feet. There were a couple of times when, when Seamus was beat long, but did an excellent job of getting back to recover. We know that, you know, he, he is a very solid defensive player. His physical capabilities may be starting to wane in the latter stages of his career, but he was so good today and, and really benefited from, from the players around him. I think you can say that about the entire team as a whole, but uh, you know, Spurs did have a couple really solid chances to score. I was a, getting a little bit worried that we were going to, after the, after being under pressure for so long, eventually concede. But Jordan Pickford comes up with two really, really impressive saves, massive saves to keep us, keep the match at nil-no going into half. And it was, uh, it was just a, a really kind of composed first half, despite the fact that we, we did almost concede. We had plenty of chances. Hamas had a, a couple, like you said, his, his range of passing is just, jaw-dropping at times, night and day to what we're accustomed to on the right flank. And really, that gets to kind of a point that I wanted to make was just how different it is to be able to create pressure on teams from either side, either flank, because we've been so left-side dominant for so long. To have a player of his quality and threat, when you can just switch it like he can, it really opens up defenses in a way that I think we've been completely unable to do for a long time now. That's absolutely fair. It's a good point. We have been left-sided dominant. And, you know, I think that that kind of helped. You know, you mentioned that Richarlison had a good performance today in general. And and don't get me wrong. He was one of the players, in my opinion, that really worked his way into the match, right? Obviously highlighted by that where he rounds the keeper and then kind of just miss. Um, but with James Rodriguez, with players like James Rodriguez in this team, it really does counterbalance you know, I think even the attention of the opposition, right? Because kind of like, let's say Chelsea's Hazard back in the day, he was the most valid player in the league. Obviously, he's very talented. But we know that when you have that one talismanic player, the very skilled player, um, opposition usually focuses on them. And I think that when you have James Rodriguez opposite side of Richarlison, 
then what are you going to do now? You, you have, you almost have to, well, you absolutely have to respect Everton as a team more, um, especially defensively. And so not only did he spread possession out well and he made it look really easy. I wanted to, I wanted to make that point. He made it look good even. Um, I think that he also created a lot of space for others in his movement. And you could see as the match was going on, as the first half was going on, even though Spurs built into it leading up to halftime, you could see that the players were catching on. The midfielders were figuring out, okay, I really need to start making this run fast right when James picks his head up, right? And and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, um, we saw kind of struggling with this a little bit, was he's not used to playing with 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 someone like James Rodriguez too. And so, you know, you saw that he was making runs and maybe someone would pass the ball on an opposite side of the center back in which his run was. And all of that comes, you know, with, with more repetition, but we go into halftime. It's nil, nil. Um, it feels like it's getting pretty cagey. And at this point it felt like, you know, it could be anyone's match, but we come out in the second half, James and Mourinho made a change and he brought in Sissoko, which was interesting. But Everton starts off and it looks like it was all Everton for the first 10 minutes and it was capped off by uh, our 1-0 lead. Yeah, that Sissoko substitution was really bizarre to me. I thought that that really took a lot of the impetus out of out of Spurs' attack, what little they had to begin with. And it really kind of opened the door for us to continue to to pick up right where we left off in the first quarter, which is to control possession, keep things tight, keep things, keep our, keep our midfield compact when in possession, move the ball around really fluidly, but make Spurs really do a lot of work off the ball. And it started to pay dividends. We started to to create more chances. We looked really, really dangerous in the, in the opposition third. Again, with the ability of players to just switch the ball to either flank, even when we're in the final third, typically we'd see something like that coming in our half. But when, when you can move that up the pitch and you really have to make the defense shift immediately and dramatically with pressure on them, it starts to create things. And, and Richarlison... I don't think I think everyone would say his his first half was a little bit underwhelming, but I did want to rattle off a few stats that that he accomplished because they're kind of jaw dropping. And I don't know if I had a full appreciation of this uh, after the first half, certainly. But as the game wore on, like he really did see a ton of the ball and he was really productive with it. So 10 for 10 on dribbles, successful dribbles. That in itself is is remarkable. Seven shots attempted. Also really good. He was getting himself into really dangerous areas. Matt Daugherty on his debut for Spurs is going to uh, probably wish that one went a little differently because he, Richarlison was getting found in acres and acres of space, running at Daugherty, terrorizing the Spurs D. He won six fouls, and a lot of those came in the latter stages of the game as Spurs started to look really, really tired. Richarlison, obviously, that's kind of when he thrives, when he can really kick in that extra gear and dominate. But he also won five tackles. And we talked about a lot last year, his his work rate off the ball and his ability to track back defensively. That is massive. And, you know, five tackles is with a 100% success rate is really <laughs> incredible for a player who is primarily, you know, his primary objective on the pitch is to score goals. So to, to contribute in that way off the ball is uh, is, is really encouraging. It seemed like James really liked to switch to Richarlison, didn't he? All all it took was it was a simple ping from Coleman down the right hand side. He'd check back once and boom, Richarlison's in it at Matt Doherty and the Spurs defense. I, I thought it was it was brilliant to see, but that's the type of performance that we as Evertonians want to see from the boys in blue, right? We want to see that if you start off the match and you feel like 
you know, you round the keeper and you miss an open net or you miss an, an assist to Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the 10th minute or the 13th minute, we want to see that you work your way into the match and then become man of the match without a goal or assist. That's what we want to see with James Rodriguez on the pitch. Um, that is that is the type of performance that we yearn for. And it's even more exciting that we see numbers like that, st- statistics like that from Richarlison in the first game of the season, especially against Spurs. I'm not, you know, we're not, I don't think either one of us are going to try to make out like Spurs were good or impressive, um, anything like that. But Richarlison was, and regardless of the opposition, you can only beat who's in front of you. And I thought he ended up being uh, really impressive. But, you know, to switch gears, We've talked about Richarlison and James Rodriguez a lot, but we haven't mentioned Allen and Ducore a whole lot. In the second half, we saw Ducore numerous times on the counter, or excuse me, when the Spurs were countering, let's say if we had a set piece um, or or a corner kick, for example, Ducore with his pace in behind stopped a couple of attacks and had numerous interceptions, and he looked like a complete engine in the middle of the pitch, exactly as Ryan promised. Yeah, exactly as advertised, Abdullah Ducore. Um, in the first half, I did think uh, I was a little underwhelmed with his ability to, to drive the ball forward. I thought he was looking to make safe passes a lot, which is all well and good if that's part of the strategy. But I really thought he started to come alive in the second half, looking to drive the ball forward. And is, again, talking about work off the ball. In the 52nd minute, Lucas was in on goal, clear as day, would have been an almost certain goal. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Decore sprinting back makes a perfectly timed tackle to prevent us from conceding. And then, just a minute later, we win a free kick way out in no man's land. None other than our favorite French left back, Luca Dean, steps up, pings in an inch perfect cross, an inch perfect cross. Dominic Calvert Lewin, bullet header, nothing Larice can do about it. And we're up one nil and we're flying. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned he was our favorite French left back. I didn't want anyone to get confused. We. We do have uh, quite a few preferred <laughs> left backs. And, and you know, with that, though, that was a beautiful free kick, right? And um, as, a, as a complete side note, right, James Rodriguez comes in and you wonder, you know, someone mentioned on Twitter, who's going to take the free kicks? And I can tell you right now, it's not Gilfie Sigurdsson. So now you wonder if you have James and Lucas Dean. Um, but nonetheless, Lucas Dean, with that assist, there's a nice stat. Since joining Everton at the start of 18-19 season, no other defender has created more chances. Are you ready for this? In Europe's top five leagues, he has created 144 chances. Now, we've seen that stat posted all over the place um, in regards to the Premier League, comparing him to the other side of the parks or the other side of the town's um, two fullbacks. But after today's match, I suppose, is when he surpassed the rest of the uh, defenders in Europe's top five leagues, which I think is absolutely nuts. It is nuts. And it's great that he's, he's in blue because he is, he's obviously been probably our most consistent player the last couple of seasons. And now again, these players who've come in under Marcel Brands have to finally be feeling a sense of vindication that the project is headed in the right direction. This is a, an amazingly positive result and hopefully leads to only better things ahead. But Luca Dean has been again, 144 chances for a defender. He's been one of our most prolific offensive players it looks to be the case after today that he may not have to carry as much of the burden which i think he'll be more than happy to uh to concede some of those chances created to players a bit more further up the pitch but again that partnership if we can play richarlison on the left we know that that luka dean and he can can be a really really dangerous and threatening 
it's scary even for opposition to have to plan how to match up with the two of them. Right. And again, like with, with all of these very far more athletic midfielders, right in the center of the pitch. And, and then we have someone like James Rodriguez on the right hand side. I mean, who do you mark? Who do, who do you, who do you look out for? I mean, you're not going to triple up on someone like Richarlison. If you got James Rodriguez 20 yards away at the top of the box, right? You can't. And so it, it just allows all of these players equally the opportunity to perform better. And as you said, with these players that came in under Marcel Brands, right, someone like Lucas Dean, someone like Richarlison, both signed earlier on in the project, in, in this current project. <laughs> We've been called a project for a while now, folks. Yeah, yeah. Um, point is, James, do you think, um, do you think that looking, you know, Richarlison, Lucas Dean, right? These are players that I, I legitimately have felt kind of worried about. You know, how much longer are they going to stay at Everton? Because they have been legitimately steps ahead of other players in our squad. Now they're looking at Allen and Ducore and James Rodriguez. And I think, do you think it's fair to say that they probably have um, a very, very positive future to look forward to at Everton Football Club? And these are all things that not only are we signing top talent, but I think that helps us retain our top talent. I totally agree. And, you know, part of me, A, I don't want to get too carried away with this result and what it means for the longer, you know, longer trajectory. Don't you say that. Don't you say that. I won't accept that, James. That said, of course, I'm very excited. Of course, I think this means we're going to get into Europe and we're going to probably win the treble this year. Like, that's just, that is uh, the inevitable runaway train of Everton hope. That's what it does to you is like you get a scrap of, of a positive result. And this is a big one. I'm not trying to diminish the importance of it. But it's easy to get carried away. And I think we, we obviously have a cup match midweek followed by West Brom on, on Saturday. If we can come out of, of the week with three wins on the trot, you're going to see. <laughs> then you'll get carried away, right? That, I mean, you'll I'm get getting away, a little right? bit carried away right now. Like there's, there's no reason. <laughs> you're hot and bothered, huh? <laughs> it's hard not to, but, but to pivot it back to the match, I did because we've, we've touched on Decore. We touched on Hamas Rodriguez. We haven't really touched in detail on Allen who I thought, you know, many, myself included, many said that he was really the player who we were truly missing in our midfield. And I think he did show that today. Nothing really flashy, and we know that's not his style, but sitting deep and disrupting play, which is exactly what we've been told he does, he did that exceptionally well today. And he just held he was he was like the glue of the team where he was sitting behind ever sitting in front of the defense and sitting behind our midfield and really provided an effective link up between the two getting into lanes cutting off passes distributing the ball to the players who are really going to try to drive it forward and i was even impressed with his range of passing but all in all like it's really hard to say that that it could have gone much better from the new signings perspective for everton today Absolutely agree. On top of all the things that you just said about Alan, the other thing that he really impressed, I think most people with was his positioning too. I thought that he really offered a lot of stability. It seemed like he understood the system well, which obviously makes sense, right? Himself and James Rodriguez both played under Ancelotti before Alan, obviously within the last year or so. Um, so it makes sense and it's exciting. And as you said, they're only going to continue to gel and, and do even better. Now, I know we've talked about players that have done well. And James, I'm curious who your man of the match is. This is really, this is a tough one. And before I do man of the match, I did just want to kind of add on to your point made about Allen with positioning. And what was, I think, maybe the, the biggest testament to his positioning was the fact that we never really saw him 
have to get into like a full sprint necessarily because he reads the game so well that he's almost two steps ahead of everyone and is able to be in those positions before the ball even gets there. So he's not left chasing players. He's thinking, getting out ahead of things and, and disrupting them before they can even happen. So I think maybe it makes his, his performance look a, a bit understated on paper, but when you look at the overall result and the overall way that the team played, it was, it was massive. But on to man of the match, I think what's so refreshing about this conversation that we've had, you know, on so many of our post-match episodes over the last couple of years is that you could legitimately make a very convincing argument for almost any player that played today, at least ones that started. But for me, after all of the, the negative things that have been said, justifiably so after his performances last year, I think my man of the match is going to have to be Jordan Pickford. We talked about those two massive saves in the first half. In the second half, I was blown away by his aggression coming out of the box or coming out of his goal to clear dangerous uh, Spurs crosses, balls in the air, set pieces, etc. Something that he's been really, I think, hesitant to do or was hesitant to do for large stretches of the season last year. And all of a sudden, he's coming out flying, punching, you know, borderline karate kicking all of these, these balls in. And if he can be more consistent with that aspect of his game, because you t- we talk so much about he may not be the biggest guy, so obviously he struggles a little bit in, with balls in the air. If he can keep up that run of form, in addition to the excellent shot-stopping ability that we saw today, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, we talked about wanting to replace our goalkeeper. If he can keep up that type of form today, then, then that's going to be the last thing we have to worry about. So Jordan Pickford for me, you could make an argument for so many. I'm interested to hear who you're going to choose. You know, I think that's a really, that's a really spicy take. I think it, it makes sense. And I agree on, on narrative improvement, specifically from last season. Um, if Ryan was here, he'd, he'd probably be red in the face, ready to come at you and talk about Jordan Pickford in general. But I thought he did. He, he really did, com- um, command his, the goal well. And I thought that he did improve. And, and, you know, I say that yours is a spicy take. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be like the cookie cutter here. I'm going to have to go with James Rodriguez. I want to share a couple bits that people have shared, um, about James Rodriguez. So Matt Cheatham on Twitter said that James Rodriguez created more chances from open play on his debut for Everton than any Everton player has created in the club's last 20 matches. So he shows up, he's not fully match fit. He's had, I don't even know, maybe a week with the squad and he's created more chances than anyone else in 20 matches. Okay. On top of that, James is, James is the first PL debutante to create at least five chances since Alexis Sanchez for Arsenal in 2014. Um, now I think that chances from open player are obviously very important and that is an insane stat, right? But on top of that, I really wanted to hit on just the, uh, the intangibles that Hamas brought. I saw that our team looked far more confident with Hamas on the pitch. Hamas brought a swagger, um, that I haven't seen in a while. He, he made a lot of those nice touches around defenders, right? Popping it over, controlling the ball, you know, cutting back to make a pass, switch the pass or switch the, the, the play. I thought that he made everyone else around him better. I thought that he offered a platform to to help Richarlison perform the way he did, not to take anything away from Richarlison. He was the who scored man of the match. Um, but I'm really excited to see how he performs um, moving forward. And I think that, as you said, you, you said it the best, I think. We couldn't have asked for more from our three debutantes in general. Um, 
and multiple players could have could have been man of the match um, for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, Hamas is a hummus, which side note, multiple people have told me that I need to start going by hummus. I don't know how I, I feel that. about that. Uh, I've never <laughs> been one. You know, I've, I've always gone by James. I've never been one for like nicknames. I don't like being called Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, Jim, whatever. So, but I might have to, if he keeps this up, I may just have to mimic him and go by hummus. But fair, you, fair enough, fair enough. But, but you know, th- I think it, totally fair take to give, give him man in the match. And I think the stat that you read first, the fact that he's created more chances, five, of course, from open play than any of our other players, just shows the immense, like, leapfrog in quality of our players in midfield from last season to this season. Where you have, again, like you said, not fully match fit yet. He might be at 80, 85% right now. And he's still head and shoulders above what else, what options we had prior. And so once he gets really going and he can really fire up the engines, he's going to be a, a terror, terror for defenses. And again, those crosses, those switch, switches of play to Richarlison, I mean, <laughs> it's shaping up to be a really, really nice year to be an Everton fan again. Not to get ahead of myself, but a good show for Hamas, man of the match on his debut. Absolutely. So, James, let's try to wrap this up with some final thoughts. Now, I will say, in terms of statistics for the two teams, right, it looks like on paper Everton absolutely deserved to win this match, right? We had 15 shots to their nine. We had 17 dribbles to their five, 18 tackles to their nine, 19 interceptions to their four. It looks like we essentially dogged them off the pitch. Um, if you had to give one final thought, James, on this match, maybe what it means for the near future, what would it be? It's a new dawn. Uh, and just to supplement the stats you just read, the, the XG for this match was Everton 1.4 to Spurs 0.8. So that further backs up the fact we created better chances. Again, the eye test would have told you that. And we were, we were by and large the dominant side to do that against a top, quote unquote always with the with the uh air quotes on that quote unquote top 6 to kick the season off i think is is we talk so much about the psychology of this everton team and how much how, how weak again i i don't want to talk about the players like that always but it it was like a lot of a lot of lack of of intensity a lack of desire based on the result today i saw none of that none of that lingering from a carryover from last season to next. And with the clean slate, with the new personnel, with Carlo Ancelotti at the helm for a full year, I am so, so excited for what's to come the rest of this season. And and mind you, there will be downs. There's inevitably ups and downs. It's a long season, but this will, I, I don't think this is the best that we'll feel throughout the course of this year. I'll say that. You know, that, that proved a perfect seg- segue because that was going to be my final thought, right? I, you know, to build on that, we know that we're going to look even better at some point. It may be next week. It may be next month, but we're going to get far better. Our passing is going to look more fluid. Players are going to get used to each other in different positions. We might see a couple players in different, in, in different roles. You know, th- this could be the 11 this week, but maybe it's not the long-term 11 Carlo Ancelotti has in mind. So I think it's everything is to, we should be excited about everything um, moving forward. But obviously, as you said, we can't get too carried away. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic, but, um, I think, I think it's a very exciting day for all Evertonians. And 
no matter how Spurs played, we can confidently say that we played well. Most definitely. And I think that's, that's a good note to wrap up on. Before we end the show, I did just want to give a quick A shout out to the Discord. Join it if you haven't. Invite.gg slash ATP. Another thing I wanted to ask is that if you have been listening to the show for a long time and you like what you hear, if you could please go on your podcast platform and leave us a rating and or a review, we would really appreciate that. That helps us out a ton. Um, otherwise, follow us on social media. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. We've got Twitter. We're on everything. Um, otherwise, we will be with you guys Wednesday following the match against Salford City FC in the Cup. Going to be hopefully a uh, maybe see a change of personnel. will be interesting to see what Carlo has up his sleeve for that. We'll be doing a post-match of that match, as well as a preview of the weekend's match against West Brom. So stay tuned, and until next time, up the Toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.